right. You can be seated. So uh, we're going to do things a little bit different today. Are you cool with that? Everybody good? Everybody, everybody uh, did you wear your uh, ability to change pants today to, to church? So we're going to do things a little bit different today. Um, we're actually about to go in our time to open God's Word and to study it together. So, um, and then after I preach, we're going to respond to God's Word by taking communion together and by responding to God's Word by giving of our offerings together. We're going to respond to God's Word by worshiping together. We're going to, we're going to just respond by maybe coming to, the, to kneel at the altars. And so... Typically, how we do services is we, 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 we worship to prepare our hearts to hear God's word, and today we're going to hear God's word to respond in worship. So we're going to do it a little bit different. So uh, raise your hand if you're uncomfortable with that. Okay, you can leave. Just kidding. Uh, just, just kidding. Um, but I do think today will be meaningful. We, we're, we're concluding um, our series that we've been in all summer called Saturate. And in conclusion of this, one of the, if I could just sum it all up, I believe a person that wants to saturate their life with the gospel, um, with a love of Jesus that is excessively above all other loves, I think this statement, it was a New Testament confessional statement that they said often, and it's this, that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in our hearts when we become a people that legitimately say in our own hearts that Jesus is Lord and the implications of that move into every facet, saturate every facet of my life. And so this morning after the message, when we take communion, there's going to be a, a moment where you just simply say, as you go and you grab that cup, um, you're going to have to move a little bit today. You're going to have to go get it yourself. It's self-serve communion today. As you go and, and get it yourself, you're, there's a statement. You're going to get up and you're going to move and you're going to say in your own heart, Jesus is Lord. And I believe that his body was broken. I believe that his blood was poured out for me, and I love him, and I want every bit of who he is and what he has done to saturate every bit of who I am. We worship, and when we worship, we make this greater statement of, in our lives and our heart of saying, my mouth, my heart is proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, and I believe the songs that we'll sing will help us proclaim that with our mouth. We don't talk about this often, but in the back, there's four boxes. There's offerings. And in, in some way, when we give of our resources, what we are, and not in some way, in, in every way, when we give our resources, we are saying that Jesus isn't just Lord of my life. He's Lord of every area of my life, even my wallet, even that thing I treasure a lot. And then we'll, we'll also have a time where you can, and as we do it, that you can come and kneel here. And maybe in a statement of saying that Jesus is Lord, you're recognizing there's some areas of my life I haven't made him Lord. There's relationships. There's, there's a bent in my heart that I just need to kneel before him and proclaim that, that I have wronged him, repentance, and make that right. So today's going to be a bit of a different service, but I hope, hope it will be very, very meaningful for us as we continue to take our next steps with him in our lives. So if you'll turn with me to Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. In this passage, um, Paul is, is speaking about the unity of the body of Christ. And in speaking of the unity of body of in the unity of the, 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 the body of Christ, he's going to proclaim the gospel, the unity that we have in him, and 
then this, this unity, this greater love that we can have as we serve him. So in Ephesians 4, 15, and if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. It's on the screens, or you can follow with me in your own. It says this, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. Notice these words. We are to grow up in every way, not in some ways, not in a few ways, in every way right? Every piece of our life, every way into him. And so we're growing up into something. What are we growing up into? Into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what we've hoped through this series is that God has given us a, a new gl- a glimpse of what he would have us to be and do wherever we find ourselves to affect change for his kingdom by being faithful where we have been planted with our lives. Habakkuk 2.14, we've read it throughout our time together. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. God's plan, what he is doing in this world, is he is covering this earth with the knowledge of his glory. And for us to be his people, we are a people committed to, at the North Canton Chapel, we are a people committed to seeing the Northeast Ohio and beyond saturated with the glory of the Lord by us moving out and proclaiming him, glorifying him in word and deed in all that we do as we live our lives. And so as we went through the series, I'm going to do just a quick overview. And so as we went through the series, um, we, <clears throat> we, we went through, kind of as we started, we, we built it up. And so here's the pillars of society. Um, and so as we went through it, we, we did introductory. We talked about missional DNA, that as a father has sent me, um, see this in John, as a father has sent me, so I am sending you, that we are sent ones, that we've all been called to do this great work of the gospel, that Christ is all and in all, Colossians 3, that he is everything, and his, he, we, we desire him to saturate every piece and every part of our life. And then as we went through it, we talked about education, Education, saying that in some way we are all educators, right? We are, people are constantly learning from our lives, good, bad, or negative, right? That people are constantly learning from our lives. And we specifically talked about educators, that you have such a, an incredible place, and we're going to commission you in a couple weeks, to, to go into our world and to, to change the lives of your students forever by Jesus coming, coming into that classroom through you into their lives, we talked about religion, that every society has religion, and we have this day and time where we say all roads, right, all, all different religions at the end lead to, to God at the top of the mountain. Well, we'd say that there's only one way to the top of that mountain, and it's through the person of Jesus Christ, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That only through repentance of sin and turning to faith in Jesus can we be made right with God. There's a pure religion, and this finds Christ at the very center of it. In business, that God can use you and your ethics and society to influence business and culture. In family, that living selflessly displays Jesus to our family, and it's countercultural in many ways. In government, that we should seek first the kingdom, the person of Jesus and his righteousness, and not get so overwhelmed when we watch the news and we think that, man, if we don't get a good king or queen now... I said queen because that's our options this year. If we, if we don't get one, 
right? If we don't get a good one, we're, we're all in big trouble. Jesus Christ has come. His kingdom is at hand. Everything is in his control. And I do not need to fear whatever's happening in this world because I have a good God and king. Now, there can be all kinds of cultural upheaval, and there's many things I want to happen. But at the end of the day, I will not lose hope, and I will not have fear because my king reigns. So talked about government. I'm preaching on it again. Arts and entertainment. We talked about seeing the gospel and culture and using it. Paul, we talked about Paul at Mars Hill where he, he used cultural examples, things that weren't of the Lord, and he used them as examples to point them to Jesus. And so beginning to see our culture and see the gospel within it and speak into people's lives the truth of the gospel through our culture. And then last week we talked about media, creating a new, a new narrative that, that we have a narrative imposed on us, right, by the media. They create a narrative about what Christians are, what they value. And then we have Christians out there that kind of paint a picture for us that we don't really like, right, and which is imposed upon us. And what I proposed last week is let's, let's create a new narrative. Let's live our lives where Jesus Christ is truly the preeminent one in our lives, where we love him more than we love anything else, and we allow him to guide us in what we think and what we say and what we do all of our life. So this week, to tie it up, Ephesians 4:15 and 16. Scripture say to grow up in every way into him, into Christ. And I think this morning there's three ways in which we can grow up. Three ways that God is asking us to grow up. Every time I say grow up, I like hear my mother, right? Grow up, Ryan, right? There's a few things I, I heard a uh, uh, speech at a wedding a few weeks ago, and, and um, the father of the groom said that in some ways he wasn't going to grow up in his life. He was still going to have fun. I'm like, I'm with you. Like, I don't want to be the stuffy and boring guy. I'm not going to grow up in certain areas of my life. But these three, I think, are important that we grow up in. If we don't, I don't think we'll grow up into the image of Jesus. I don't, I don't think we will progress in the way that he longs and desires for us to, that we might glorify him and saturate our world with his gospel. So the first is we grow up in the gospel. That's kind of a weird language. I don't know if you've heard it or thought about it that way, but how do I grow up in simply the gospel and the truth that Jesus Christ has come? That, that in the beginning of time, God created us to walk in his ways, but sin entered this world. Our mother and father, Adam and Eve, chose to rebel against God. They believed that there was a better way than his way for them, that there was a more meaningful way for them, that they would find a greater purpose and destination in life by, in their rebellion. Again, they said, thanks for making me God. No thanks for telling me how to live my life. And they rebelled against God, and God initiated a plan instantly saying that he was going to bring one to reconnect us with our Father. And he did. Jesus came, and he walked in the flesh. He lived a perfect life. He was arrested in a garden. He was brutally beaten for our sins. He was hung on a cross, and there he died. He was buried. And three days later, he rose from the grave. He defeated death and gave us hope of resurrection. He taught for 40 days. And in that 40 days, it says he taught about the kingdom of God, Acts 1-3. 
And then he commissioned his disciples, and he commissioned them to now go and make disciples. And they went, and, they, and, and then he ascended to heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And his movement of the church began after this point in time, and we continue to be a part of that movement. The growing up in the gospel and the truth of this, and I think we do this in a few ways. We grow up in the gospel in our identity and how we see ourselves. The gospel has major implications in who each and every one of us are. If you have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are a new man. You are a new woman. And moving into our new identity is one of the greatest ways that we grow up in the gospel. Growing up in the gospel means that now that I am a child of God, a servant of my Savior, and a sent one in the power of the Holy Spirit, we say this in baptism, I said it last week, that when we're baptized, we make this Trinitarian declaration of our new identity. What we're saying is that, that I was not a, a child of God. I was living in rebellion against him. But now I'm baptized in the name of the Father, meaning that I have a father. I'm a child. I'm a child. I'm loved. I'm the treasure of my dad in heaven. That not only am I baptized in the name of the Father, but of the Son. That I was not a servant of my Lord, not a servant of the one who died for me. But now I've repented and turned, and now I am. I commit my life to be a servant of Jesus Christ. That I serve him and only him with my life. Baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. That I am a sent one on behalf of the Father into this world. That I am, all of us who have been redeemed, we are missionaries. Tim and I are going to leave. I'm going to leave on Tuesday, and I'm going to come home on the 16th. Tim's going to come home in December, and we all, whether I wake up at North Canton or I wake up at Thailand, in Thailand on whatever morning I show up there, I think it's Thursday, when I wake up there, my life doesn't really change that much. I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to do the same things I do every day. I'm just going to be put in a bit of a different context and a little bit of a darker context, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to glorify Jesus. I'm going to proclaim him and I'm going to live for him and all I say and do in every space that he puts me, whether it's here, Thailand, Guatemala, India, Brazil, don't care. I am a missionary sent by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in posturing our lives of recognizing that I have a new identity, that I am a child, I'm a servant, I'm a sent one, I'm a missionary, and maybe even adding on a new identity that he'll say, if you are truly my disciples, right? And that word disciples, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the root of that word is I'm a learner. And so living our lives humbly, knowing that I need to learn, I need to grow, not just to grow, learn in my head of who he is and what he's done and the knowledge of him, but also allowing that to flow out of my life. And so living my life as a child, a, mission, a servant, a missionary, and a learner. And so the gospel, growing up in the gospel is growing deeper in my understanding of who he is and what he has done for me in my identity. But growing up in the gospel also it has to do with relationships, how I see others. See, my relationships growing up in the gospel, imagine with me if, if there was, you know, I'll use you, John Thomas. And so John um, just got back from Guatemala this week. Good to have you back. And so John comes up to me and goes, Ryan, I'm really struggling with this thing, and uh, I'm, I'm struggling with an addiction. I said, oh, man, John, that's bad. And he goes, I know. That's why I'm coming to you. I said, oh, okay. Um, well, you're a Christian, right, John? He's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm like, well, stop it. <laughs> Christians don't have addictions. You need to quit it. 
And he's like, I know, that's why I'm talking to you. And I said, get out of here, man. Like, stop it, right? And, and he leaves. And this is kind of our answer and our solution in our relationships. Is we, we, when we grow up in the gospel, there, we need a better way than, hey, Christians don't do that. So straighten up. John has no addictions. This is totally a false kind of thing. And so, and so in this, now, now imagine with me, growing up in the gospel, the conversation might be like this with John. John comes and he says, man, Ryan, I have an addiction. I said, oh, man, man, that, that's, that's not good. How can I help you? And John says, and he begins to explain it, and maybe I just say something like this. Is, hey, John, God created you in his image to live out in his ways, and I know you, and I know that you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross to redeem you of your sins. And John, you're not living, becoming a new creation in Jesus. You're moving backwards into your fallenness by loving something more than you love him. And brother, I want to help you. I want to help you become the new man that God created you to be. So let's begin a journey of walking together in your love of Jesus more than your love of whatever this is. See, growing up in the gospel in our relationships, I believe, gives us a, an ability to speak in a different way to people. And many times we don't, we're not able to speak the truth into people's lives because in some ways we've never been modeled it. I know for me, growing up in the church, all that I ever heard was, you know, to be a Christian, you don't do bad things. And it just seemed kind of an insufficient answer. And so what everybody ended up doing, I think, is they just started hiding and acting like we had it all together because we didn't have a space to allow the gospel to be spoken into our lives in a genuine, loving way. Because, see, the first response probably would have made John feel very inadequate, and we probably wouldn't have had that conversation again. I know it sounded kind of funny, but it's more real than we'd like to think. But the, the second way of growing up in the gospel, speaking the truth of the gospel, takes him to the place of his heart and his love and what he loves more. And hopefully in a journey together, and by the way, we deeply need each other, and growing together in the gospel, we can, we can grow in a deeper love of Jesus than anything else. So it, it, growing up in the gospel affects our identity, our relationships, but also our language, what I speak, and uh, the words that bring life. Um, these are things in, in these relationships and language, these are tied together. Um, that we see others well, that we speak in a language from a well that doesn't run dry. I think about it like this, that, that in me, and I don't know about you, but Ryan Johnston has a certain depth of mercy. I have a certain depth of kindness. I have a certain depth of patience. I have a certain depth of, of things in my life. And in my flesh, and some of you have deeper wells than I do in regards to patience, I believe God has tested me in my patience by giving me three daughters. And so, so in this deeper well, like I, if I'm living in my flesh, my patience runs out very, very quickly. But growing up in the gospel, if I look at Jesus... And I see how patient he's been toward me. And I see how kind he's been to me. And I see how loving he's been to me and how gentle he's been to me. What happens is, see, there's an unending well because the, le the level of his patience with me is, is unending. His mercy is unending. His kindness is unending. His gentleness is unending. And when I look at him, 
there's a well that never runs dry of me able to give mercy, me being able to give patience. And in one of the ways that we grow up in the Gospels, we stop living within the, the well of our own goodness, and we start looking into the deepest well there is, and that is our Savior, the Gospel, what He has done for us. And we begin to pull from that. And when we do, we will have strength and we'll have freedom. The yoke will no longer be so heavy and the burden will not be so burdensome, but it will be easy and light because we're looking at the one who's pulling, the one who is pulling the weight of our lives. And so in some ways, I, when we grow up in the gospel, I believe this is just something we desperately, desperately need to do say it like this, what separates a man and a woman, either way, from being able to sin outrightly, um, I say this right, what separates a, a man from being able to sin outrightly and not care, and a woman being able to sin outrightly and not care, from someone who genuinely cares about their sin and does something about it? So say it like this, what, what stops a, a man what is it about a man? And there's probably a dude in the church here today that you, this week, were going to inappropriate establishments for your own pleasure. You come here, if you and I met one-on-one, -on -one, you'd say Jesus is Lord. And you really have no conviction either way. Or the woman that's sitting in the room today, that right now you are in an inappropriate relationship with a man, and you're good with it because you feel like you're finally loved. What, what, what separates that from a person who, you know, does those things and is, or maybe won't do those things because it just so deeply hurts them? This is my conclusion of it. I'm going to read to you 1 John 4. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. I'll tell you this about me. Me. This is straight Ryan Johnston. At the age of 21, I was overwhelmed by a love for me that has grabbed a hold of my life and won't let go. As I have a Savior who loved me and died on the cross for my sins, and I know that I deserve death and judgment. I deserve it. It is warranted for my life. But God pour his, poured his wrath out on my Savior, Jesus. And I'll tell you this about my life. I don't ever want to go back to the place again where I dishonor my God. I don't ever want to go back to the place where I'm not living for him. And it's like an emotional thing for me because I love him. See, I think one of the greatest ways we can grow up in the gospel is to fall in love with Jesus. And I'll be honest, I think there's a lot of people that haven't quite done that yet. Simply love their Savior for what he has done. Do you? Do you love him? See, my love for him causes me to want to be more righteous. It causes me no longer, I don't want to sin anymore in my life. I want it gone. I hate it. See, I think simply the love of God 
The gospel is the good and true news that Jesus has defeated sin, death, and evil. Through his own life, death, burial, and resurrection. And he is redeeming us today. Growing up in the gospel means that we begin to truly apply this love into our identity, into our relationships, and into our language. So we grow up in the gospel. I think another way that we grow up and grow up in every way into him, into Christ, is we grow up in the family of God. So we grow up in the gospel and we grow up in the family of God. Maybe in two ways, in deep relationships and then in outward relationships. That doesn't mean the outward ones can't be deep. But in deep relationships, that in this life I have been given certain things that, that in, in maybe purely familial ways. Like I am a son. Ryan Johnston is a son of Denny and Nancy Johnston. I am a brother. I am an uncle. Right? I am, I'm a nephew. I am, like these identities of which I am in my family. And I say this to each of us in one regards to our family, we're going to expand this, but in specific regards to our family, you are whatever you are in your family. And will you take your relationship, your trust of being an uncle, right? It is a trust, not just this kind of side thing. My, my nieces and nephews will only have one uncle named Ryan Johnston, and I have been entrusted to be their uncle and to do it well under the banner of Jesus Christ. As a husband, to do it well underneath the banner of Jesus. As a father, to do it well. In my familial relationships, to do it well. And so in this room today, if you're single, if you're married, wherever you find yourself, you have been given familial trust. And how are you doing? How do we do in these trusts we've been given? So one of the ways that we grow up in the family of God is first with our blood family and recognizing that we are responsible. The second, in our spiritual family, in the church, that we, through Jesus, we said this, our identity is we are children of our Father, that we in this room are brothers and sisters. And so maybe to say this this way in, in, in church, so can I, can I confront you this morning, church? Are you cool with that? Say amen. Yeah, you good? I'm going to confront us in two ways that I don't think we do this very well. One is some of you are so ticked off at the church because people haven't loved you well. <clears throat> I'm just guessing. Maybe you don't even verbalize it. But I'd say this to you. One, I believe in this church at the Chapel of North Canton, there's people that want to. But you so don't put yourself in spaces in order for people to love you that no one can. It's hard to love someone when I don't know them or don't see them. If you sneak in the back and out as quick as you can, I'm just telling you, it's going to be hard for you to feel loved here. You may feel a good vibe. You may feel a good spirit. But until you get engaged, and so what that might mean for you is, and this isn't prescriptive, I'm just saying some ideas. might mean that Thursday mornings at 6 a.m., you show up at Men's Frat. You sign up for a ladies' Bible study. You go to an ABF. You go to an MC. You put yourself in a space, in a context, where people can actually know you and love you. So stop, stop just saying, why won't anybody love me? Nobody knows you because you don't put yourself in proximity for them to know you or, or love you. The second, I would say, is that for us, um, those of us who maybe are engaged, the body of Christ, for us, we need to let go, recognize how forbearing our God has been to us, 
and someone may have hurt you or harmed you or said something to you five years ago, and you're still holding a grudge against them, I am so glad that my God does not hold grudges against me anymore because he could infinitely against Ryan Johnston. And so what will it take for us to see each other as brothers and sisters and let go? Maybe you're the one who harmed or hurt and you're too embarrassed to, to deal with that relationship with anymore and you've caused strain. Maybe it's for you to go and say, hey, forgive me. I think one of the greatest ways we'll see revival is a bunch of people started asking for forgiveness from one another. And so church, I'm just saying that all of us probably can do better at putting ourselves in spaces where we can be loved by our brothers and sisters. But then also in that, there's things that hinder us by holding grudges, by holding back from being family. And so, so we have this immediate family, our spiritual family, and so we growing up in the family of God, doing these things well, honoring our Lord. And then in our outward relationships, right, these outward relationships, this is, I think about it like this, our outward relationships, these are neighbors, networks of friends, places I work, authorities, enemies, all these people in the other spaces of my life. Say it like this, that I don't know if any of you ever dated a guy or dated a girl and you, you went to their family, maybe to a meal or something, and their family was awesome. Like you just were like, I love their family, but I don't really like them very much. But I like their family so much that I'm just going like, to keep dating them for a while because their family is so cool. I mean, did anybody have that relationship in life? And they're like, not the person I'm married. And so, uh, just kidding. And so, we, we, we've all experienced this where you go into a space and you're like, man, these people are incredible. I believe this is the kind of space that, that God wants us. I think Acts 2, 42 through 47 was this kind of people that when people from the outside of the faith came in, they were like, wow. There's something incredible. There's a love. There's a genuineness. There's a care. There's a concern. There's a family here that I want to be a part of. And I believe that as we become these kind of people where we're a family that they want to be a part of more and more and more, it says in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. One of the greatest apologetics that we have as, as Christians is not what we say completely out of our mouth, but how we love one another and how we engage with one another, how we care for one another, and how we care for others. It's a loud proclamation, not the only proclamation of the gospel, but a loud proclamation of the one we love. This week, and I have to put this in, is Hall of Fame. Right in the Hall of Fame, there's, this, there's these four things that are values of the Hall of Fame. They want to honor the heroes of the game. Right? They honor the heroes of the game, preserve its history, promote its values, and celebrate excellence everywhere. See, I love football. Most of you know this. I'm going to be there all day today. But how much more, and take these values into our own life and our own hearts, how much more ought we together honor our Savior, the hero of heroes? preserve the great history of our faith by allowing the ancient pathways to be present realities in our lives, promoting the values of our faith and our conduct and our character and the totality of our lives and doing this celebrating Christ everywhere at all times. So we grow up in the gospel, grow up in the family of God, and last, we grow up on mission with our lives See, we grow up on mission with our lives. Jesus said to the disciples that he was going to make them fishers of men. Was Jesus successful in this endeavor? The first commission, I believe, he fulfilled. 
Because when he said, now go and make disciples, he's saying, I made you a fisher. Now you go and fish. And what Jesus was doing in this text, in in this, is he was making men who would engage in his mission with their lives. And I believe growing up on mission with our lives is beginning to say that that we are, as the people of God, going to care for our region together. We're seeing this in some ways. Next week, Citizens Akron, they're going to be here. That's our church plan up in Akron. James Talbert's going to be preaching. Their band's going to be leading. And it's going to be a really, really awesome time where you're going to hear story after story. And I, 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 don't, even have, I don't even know how to quite articulate how much of, of the hand of God has been a part uh, upon us as we've engaged in this. There are so many things happening. James is a, a freshman football coach for Garfield High School. And the coach, when he walked in, he told the coach what he wanted to do. And the coach says, yeah, that sounds good. Why don't you coach our freshmen? And uh, James like, oh, I didn't know you were going to ask me to do that. He goes, I'll do that. And he goes, and, uh, and share your message. Every day, I'm going to give you a chance to share your message. At the end of every practice, James Talbert gets to proclaim the gospel to these young boys, right? We're going to be down there, some of us, at Thursday nights, and we're going to be feeding them, feeding them meals, and we're going to engage and be a part of their lives, right? God is opening doors for the gospel all over our region, and we can kind of act like our God is a stagnant God that's not moving, but I'm telling you, he is moving. His work, is, he is moving. And the way, we, the way we engage in this personally with our lives is we begin to see him and ask him to move in every facet of our life, begin to knock on doors and, and see him open them. And we do that by stewarding well our lives. Our days and hours, we begin to recognize that these are your days and hours, God. That, that in stewarding our resources, knowing that, that there is, and I, we never ask for this around here, but there's a financial side of commitment. In order to see our gospel saturated, we must be a generous people, giving of our resources toward his kingdom. And not just our... Not just our days and hours, our resources, but also our God-given abilities. That in this room is such a unique blend. This is the end of the text. There's this unique blend that truly displays our Savior when all of us are working in that which we've been gifted in. And maybe this morning as we make a commitment here at the end, that maybe one of the ways that you say Jesus is Lord is saying, God, I'm going to give you my days and hours. I'm going to give you my resources, and I'm going to give you me and all that you've made me to be. And in this, we will see through living our lives that mercy, hopefully, is always before us, ready to be given to anyone as he has need. And the gospel and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has come, that he has defeated death, and that that every person can have a personal relationship with him and be redeemed and be saved. This is great, great news. Faithfulness, though, in all of this is the wind that produces fruitfulness. We must be consistent in our faithfulness to him. And I promise you, if you're faithful in the little things, you will have abundance of fruitfulness on mission with your life. God is much bigger than us, and we can see this. And so what is the text? Again, he's asking us to grow up in every way into him, into Christ. I believe we do this by growing up in the gospel, growing up in the family of God, and growing up on mission with our lives. And notice the gospel is the, the, the thread that is pulled through all of that. See, through this series, I hope that there's six things that have happened in our lives, and you're not going to have time to write these down, so just, just rest easy. One, that we've grown in awareness of God's usefulness of me in the everyday of life. 
Two, that there's been an awakening to the mission of, mission of God in every facet of our culture. There's been an awakening of individuals to saturate our world with the gospel. There's been a clarity of the possibility of each believer embracing God's mission with their uniqueness. That we're beginning to dream together what it might look like for cultural renewal in Northeast Ohio. And unleashing people to display Jesus in word and deed so that every person in Northeast Ohio might have a daily encounter with Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to have time now to respond. Will you respond this morning, maybe making a confessional statement? I said it last week, Tim is making, he made a confessional statement of saying, Jesus is Lord of my location, and wherever he sends me, I will go. And we, we had a residence up there doing that, but will you this morning make a statement of your own life that I, I want Jesus to saturate every part of my life because I believe that he is Lord. And you can proclaim this through, again, through communion, the bread. He says, take this body broken for you. Cup, my, my blood poured out. He says, do this in remembrance of the one who loved you, making a confessional statement as you take that Jesus is Lord. Prayer and commitment at the altar that you might come down before you take of communion. And you may come and pray and kneel and spend some time with the Lord before you go and grab a cup and take it. That, that you might worship and you may wait. We're going to sing three songs and you can do any of this stuff amongst all three songs. It's going to be a little bit crazy, a little bit of fruit basket upset. People are going to go and do different things. It's okay. And as you do... You may just want to worship and stand before the Lord and exalt him to prepare your heart to take of communion. And you may want to, as a sign of your commitment, to go back to one of the boxes and maybe as a family alone, put an offering in saying, God, I'm committed with my resources to you and your ways. Whatever you decide to do, whether you just take communion today, and when you do, just so you know, you're going to grab that cup. It's a double cup, right? There's a wafer on the bottom. There's juice on the top. And as you grab it, you'll go back to your seat. You can take it with your family. You can take it alone. If you're unable to get up and get it, I promise you there's a ton of really, really nice people in this room. Just lean over to the person next to you and ask them if they will get it for you, and, and I'm confident they will. But as you get up and as we move, might we, might, might we proclaim in our worship, might we proclaim in all that we do for the rest of this morning that Jesus is Lord. So I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up, and they're going to play. Again, they're going to play three songs. They're not going to stop in any of them. And at any time, you can take communion. You can come and kneel and pray. You can worship, and you can give of your offerings. This morning, might, God's, may God move and help us to commit ourselves to him in greater ways. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful today for your grace. And Jesus, we believe that you are Lord, that you're Lord of all. Your Lord of heaven, your Lord of earth, that you reign and rule above all things. And Lord, we believe that your word is true and you've told us to grow up in every way into him, into Christ, into our Savior. And Lord, might our love for Jesus compel us this morning as we take. Lord, for those that haven't surrendered their life to you yet, Lord, I pray you just help them refrain from taking something so deeply meaningful. But those who do take, Lord, maybe for the first time or maybe even this morning after they've done it many times in a new and fresh way as they take of the body 
broken for us and the, the cup represents his blood poured out for us. Might we freshly say from our hearts that Jesus, you are Lord. Might it be a declaration of our love and commitment. As those come and kneel at the altar and commit and pray for themselves, repent of their sin, come and pray on behalf of others, Lord, would you give them freedom? And those that, Lord, as we just stand and as we worship, that our life would exalt you to the highest, that we would scream, Jesus, you are Lord. And all the words and all the lyrics we sing, and even of our own personal resources, God, would you open them up that we might show that our treasures on this earth are not our deepest treasure, but you are. Might you help us to freely give to see the greater work of your kingdom come in our region. So, Father, we commit this time to you. Jesus, we believe you are Lord, and we ask you to move. We ask this in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand. And as we stand, feel free to take communion, come and pray, and do whatever the Lord's leading you to do.